Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Cornell ILR Sports Business Society podcast. Today's Monday, October 17th, 2022. My name is Dylan Hale. I'm the director of the radio group, and I'm joined by... Hi, guys. Chad Martini. I'm assistant director of the radio group. Uh, can't wait to get the season going. Uh, Noah Diamond, uh, assistant director of radio, and I'm excited for this show. And our extremely special guest today... Uh, Luke Malga, I'm a member of the ILR Sports Business Society, and I'm excited to provide some takes today. Well, we're really happy to be back in action here. We had a great interview with Mike Mayock, ex-GM for the Raiders, had an illustrious career in sports business. Make sure to check that out on the channel. Um, but this is, yeah, this is our first real radio show of the year, and let's kick it off with no other way to do it. Uh, what an amazing start to football season for New Yorkers, uh, Jets, Giants, and Bills alike. No one really saw it coming. Obviously, Buffalo starting the year 5-1. and one. Really big-time victory over the Chiefs yesterday. Giants shocking everybody. They're out here 4-2. and two. Amazing start to the season for them. But oh, Sorry, 5-1. But most importantly, the New York Jets 4-2 and two after going to Lambeau and destroying the Packers yesterday. Guys, initial thoughts, New York teams. Anything? Yeah, I'll start with my Jets. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasant surprise, you know, my whole life, basically since the Mark Sanchez era, it's been – going into every game saying, oh, this is going to be a loss, but maybe we'll win. Now you got to go into the games pretty confident. I know uh, Vegas doesn't show that with the lines they've been making, but, I mean, four and two, no one really saw this coming. Looking at the schedule in the summer, a lot of people were thinking we start out 0-8, and 0-9 with our first nine. It's a really tough stretch, you know, but um, it's great. It's great seeing the Jets get off to the good note. And then even the Giants, I can't really root for the Bills. So I'm not, I won't talk too much about the Bills, but. I think Dable's an excellent fit for the Giants. Their play calling has been amazing. They're just getting Saquon the ball and getting Danny Jones doing things he's comfortable doing. And, it I mean, it's just an awesome day, awesome week, awesome season so far if you are a New York sports fan. And what's been interesting with the Jets is they're not necessarily blowing out these teams in traditional fashion. You look at their game against Green Bay yesterday, which, like Chad was saying, really an underdog in going into play Aaron Rodgers and the Packers or another 3-2 and two team not having a – traditional Packers season, but the Jets were picked by all experts not to win the game. And when you see they win by more than two scores, you'd think, well, this guy, Zach Wilson, must have had a phenomenal game. They must have really had to air it out. But no, they didn't. Zach only threw for 110 yards. They got it done on the ground. As expected, Brees Hall has been an absolute stud for the Jets. Um, and I think they can keep something going. Um, I think they look like they have a sense of togetherness, that they underdog feeling. Coach Rob Salas has uh, definitely preached that since he's gotten there, and I think they can keep the ball rolling and win some more games in the future. But it has been great to see the Jets winning. Yeah, no, I mean, I think he definitely could have put some asterisks next to their first few wins. I mean, they played the Dolphins with the third-string quarterback. They played Browns with Jacoby Brissett. They played Steelers with Kenny Pickett's first real action. But, I mean, the Packers game was really something special. I mean, under Mike LaFleur, they've been 10-0 and following losses. It's the Packers, I think it was the past 15 games, or the past 15 home games they've won, and it's Aaron Rodgers' biggest loss as a as a Packer at home. So, I mean, it just goes to show anything could really happen in the NFL. There's so much powerful, so many powerful offenses, but it's it's just a testament to what Saul is trying to build there. I think it's really something special. You know, being a Bears fan, uh, I've been there receiving end on plenty of Packers blowouts and Aaron Rodgers' great performances, and yesterday's game really showed that to me that the Packers are mortal, first of all, in that the Jets going into Lambeau and beating them by, like Dylan said, more than two scores shows that they can be a team for real. And that, interestingly, Aaron Rodgers might not be having the season that there are rumors that this could be his last season that he really needs to kind of go out and have 
go out on a high note in his career. So it was great to see the Jets really go into Lambeau and really take control of that game. Yeah, talking about quarterbacks in general in the league, uh, we've been used to in the past decade uh, the, the the best ones being, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger. There's definitely a changing of the guard in the league towards Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, and all these new youngsters. Uh, but like like we're saying, the Packers definitely look um, mortal. Um, Aaron Rodgers definitely, I don't think he's all in. He's not locked in mentally. The team is just sort of all over the place and talked about not being all in football-wise mentally. We got to talk about Tom Brady for a bit. Obviously has personal issues going on. Buccaneers down to 500. I mean, what do you guys make of this Brady situation? You know, I think it, I think it could be a little bit of an overreaction. I've seen Tom Brady get a lot of hate in the, in the news recently. I still think he's a great quarterback. I still think he's a top-five quarterback today. But, um, yeah, they sound like themselves. They don't really have a true identity. The O-line hasn't been the same O-line that they've had in the past, which the main thing is keeping Tom Brady safe right now. He's getting up there in age, obviously, even though it seems like he'll never die. But he's getting up there in age. they got to keep him safe. But the, uh, the offense just doesn't look as explosive as is. The defense still looks like a strong defense, but not as strong as you would have liked to see from them. So it's questionable. It's definitely not what they would have had thinking going into the season, starting out three and three, but I, w I think it's too early to call them out to say that their season's over. I think any team with Tom Brady, no matter how old he is, how young he is, is a contender. So I, I wouldn't put too much worry into it right now. Do you think that this has to do with any off the field kind of stuff, right? He has been in the news for his personal life. Are these related at all? Yeah, I, I think that definitely hurts the team chemistry. I, I've seen so many reports. I mean, this weekend he was at, uh, Robert Kraft's wedding, and he flew to the game by himself. I've been here. I, I'm pretty sure he doesn't practice on Wednesdays as part of his contract. It's just a lot of the things, I mean, as great as a player as you are, people will look up to you, but stuff like that, I think it could really affect the team chemistry. But at the end of the day, I've always thought of Tom Brady as a team player, so I'm, my initial thought is it wouldn't hurt the team, but it's starting to seem like some of the off-the-field issues are really building noise in the locker room there. I can see it really like I can see what Chad's saying. It hurting the team, but at the end of the day, I think Tom Brady's individual play. He's still gonna play the same how he always would. Um, I think this could just be a small little speed bump in their season. And like Chad said, I wouldn't overreact too soon about the Buccaneers. I think they still have a lot to prove and a lot they can do this season. Yeah, just speaking of speed bumps as a whole, we've seen you know last year's Super Bowl teams, the Bengals and the Rams, just are not it right now i believe they're both three and three uh thoughts Does this have to just do with super bowl hangover what's the story yeah um i mean the rams haven't been pretty they kept it close with the panthers yesterday which is really surprising especially coming off the week they had uh interim head coach um some action with robbie anderson sideline yesterday their team really doesn't seem too focused i thought that game was much closer than it should have been and i just don't think that um their offense is what it was last year. Their offensive line is clearly not the same. It's very injury-battled, which is unfortunate, but it's how the league goes. And then Stafford, um, I think he leads the, leads the league in interceptions right now, leads the league in sacks taken, and it just seems like he only has eyes for Cooper Cup right now. Um, so it's obviously not going to work in the long run. I think McVay is an excellent coach, one of the best coaches in the league. They'll get it figured out, but it really is scary right now as a Rams fan. Not a Rams fan, but for Rams fans out there I, I it's just not what you would like to see coming into the season but interesting <clears throat> interestingly despite these struggles uh in both their divisions the afc north and the nfc west they're tied for first place you know the top team is three and three so that's something that will give them comfort 
Um, in terms of Cincinnati, I think I'm, I'm not too worried about them. They've had some injuries to some some key assets like T. Higgins, for example. They, I don't, I feel like haven't had a full healthy lineup yet. Um, and their their losses have been extremely close as well. I, I'm confident in Joe Burrow. I think the Bengals definitely still have a great chance to win that division and keep it going. Um, but looking at the NFC West, I mean, when you think of great divisions in football, I mean, I guess now you'd say the AFC West might be, but the NFC West for the past decade has been dominant. It's been contender heavy. And now look at this. This year, you've got all these 500 teams. Who's coming to the top? It doesn't look like there's a true contender anymore. But talking about the NFC West, I'm super happy to see my my favorite ex-Jet, Geno Smith, balling out. He's playing efficient football. They're playing winning football. They beat the Arizona Cardinals yesterday, which we'll get to in a second about their struggles themselves. But it's interesting to see a lot of balance and no true heavyweight in either of those two divisions that are traditionally you know so contender heavy. So that'll be an interesting storyline to watch as the year goes on. Yeah, no, the Seahawks look good. Geno's looked efficient. I think they're really just simplifying the offense. They know they don't have Russell Wilson anymore, so all due respect to Geno, he's not Russell Wilson, even though he's playing better than him this year. So the offense has to change a little bit. But, I mean, he's been extremely accurate. He's doing what's being asked. And I think most importantly, the defense is stepping up. Um, They had six sacks yesterday on Kyler Murray, which is very impressive. Kyler Murray is one of the fastest, twitchiest quarterbacks in the league. So, if you get to him six times on a defense that has been known to be a very poor defense, that's a very good sign. And also Tariq Woolen. I mean, as much as I love Sauce Gardner, I think he's also up there for defensive rookie of the year. 100%. He has great story. Four picks. Uh, I think at a fumble recovery. Uh, he has a touchdown already. I mean, he's just everywhere. Their defense, it looks like it's building an identity, even with the loss to um, Jamal Adams. So I think the Seahawks are a really uh, intriguing team right now. I don't think their ceiling's too high, but they have a pretty high floor. Well, an early storyline of the season was uh, the Cardinals' contract about uh, Kyler Murray's and his Call of yep. Duty gaming. Yep. He is now 2-47 and 47 when a Call of Duty has a double XP weekend. <laughs> this may have come into, come into contact again. Tough loss to the Seahawks. Hopefully a pattern doesn't keep forming, but it looks like we have one right now. Yeah, and another interesting storyline, not that we didn't expect them to be great, but Philadelphia Eagles are our only undefeated team in football. They're 6-0. I didn't get a chance to showcase it on the air, but I promise my preseason prediction, I had Jalen Hurts being a prime MVP uh, candidate, and he's doing exactly that. He's in the the air, on the ground. He's been dominant. The whole team has been looking great in every phase. Got that big win over the Cowboys on primetime football last night, and Looking at their next few games, you know, Steelers, Texans, Commanders, I think they can keep this chain of wins going, and who knows how long the Eagles could go. My question for you guys is, is this a regular season phenomenon, or is this a, a team that you could see winning winning big-time games in January and maybe even into February? No, I think they're the real deal. I think their defense definitely helps. They have such dominant defense, such dominant secondary. Even up front, they're extremely dominant. With Son Rick, I think, was one of the biggest offseason signings that there was this offseason but then with their offense, I think Sirianni's really done a great job of not asking to do too much out of Hurts and getting him doing what he's comfortable with. I thought they relied too much on him to pass the ball last year, and I still don't think he's a great passer. But getting him on the run, getting him on bootlegs, on nakeds, he looks very comfortable. He gets to do uh, simple plays, get the ball to A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, get the ball to their playmakers, and he always will have that run threat with them. Even though if they don't have a true number one running back, they have a committee back there. They're always going to be a run-heavy team behind that offensive line. So I just think they're the real deal. I think Sirianni's done a great job with them so far. Then also being in the NFC East, 
used to be a pretty weak division, but now it seems like it's going to be the real deal also with the Cowboys and Giants. So it'll be interesting to see those interdivision games yeah, as they carry on. It's a good time to be a Philly fan. You got them. You got the Phillies killing it right now in yeah. the MLB. And yeah. the Sixers are looking nice. Uh, hopefully not too nice. Right. You know, but um, it's a good time to be a Philly fan for yeah, sure. True, true. Uh, as in New York. Um, yeah, anything else NFL-wise? I know one thing that's interesting to track every year is uh, coaching tendencies, any hot seats, any hot coaches. I think going back to how we started the segment today, in terms of coaches that have been overachieving, both New York coaches I feel like have been really impressive this year. Brian Dabble, the first-year guy, I mean, everybody's got to be thrilled with him. Just the energy he brings to the locker room, the juice he brings. Really a team that if you line them up talent-wise and stack their, stack their guys against the guys they go up against on a weekly basis, I wouldn't I wouldn't really predict the Giants to win many games either. But no. Brian Dabble really is one of the more passionate first-year coaches I can remember in a long time. And I think, you know, his, his neighbor, uh, Robert Sal, is the same. He's someone who's brought that juice, all-gas, no-break mentality to New York since he's gotten here. And I think it's slowly starting to pay off, which is a great thing to see. So those are two coaches, I think, that have been overachieving very impressive. I mean, on the flip side of things, do you guys see any hot seats in the NFL that are starting to develop here? Yeah, I think the obvious one is Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I think his first few years in the league, they're really good. They're really exciting. But it's always been the second half of the season that they've been uh, seeming to struggle. But now we're seeing it in the first half of the season, which is a real concern. And I know they're without their guy, DeAndre Hopkins, who's coming back this week, which should brighten things up. But I just don't understand how a team with their roster – could be struggling as much as they are right now. Um, Tyler Murray is such a talented quarterback, although there might be questions around him. Just at the end of the day, there's no reason that their team should have the record that they have right now. I think it really leads to a lot of questions with uh, Cliff Kingsbury. I think he should definitely be on the hot seat. Who's traditionally a great first half of the season coach. You know, his, yeah. his flaw, back dating back to his Texas Tech days, is that his teams definitely fall off in the second half of the season. So. Yeah. If you're two and four entering week seven, what what the heck is going to happen in the yeah. rest of the year? So that's definitely worrisome in, in Arizona. Um, I think we can switch over. It was a, one of the more exciting weekends in college football I could ever remember. It's a fantastic game uh, in Tennessee between uh, Tennessee and Alabama. Always good to see Alabama get knocked off at some point. Really came down to the wire. Final minute, game-winning field goal. Outstanding performances from Hendon Hooker and that Jalen Hyatt kid. Definitely made a name for himself at wide receiver. He just – Absolutely exploded in that one. Uh, you could question whether it was a fully healthy Alabama team. I know Bryce Young was essentially a game-time decision up until up until kickoff, but shouldn't take away from the fact it was an awesome game. What did you see in that game that, that stood out? I mean, I just want to touch on the atmosphere. That's just what college football is all about. Yeah. You got big names like Peyton Manning, Morgan Wallen, Kenny Chesney in Knoxville. Um, great weekend for college football. I think it's great when Tennessee is competitive um, and adds a lot more flavor to the SEC. And I think Tennessee really proved himself to be a college football playoff contender this weekend. And Penn and Hooker keeps up his Heisman play. They could be a really tough team to beat down the stretch. And I think Tennessee and Georgia will be really two interesting teams to meet um, down the road. Um, and that could be a potential college football playoff semifinal. Yeah, I mean, looking at that game, I think it shows a trend in college football this year, which is there's not really that 1A team, that team that, you know, is going to go dominate the rest of the league. And I feel like we haven't had that throughout the whole college football playoff since it started. Um, it's always been Bama. It was Florida State and Oregon early, Clemson, Georgia. But right now, I mean, I don't think there's really that dominant team. We all thought Ohio State would be unreal and not take anything away from them, but there's been their flaws with them. And the same thing goes to Georgia. 
I mean, they were in a nail biter with Missouri the other week, which was a big concern for them. You see Bama lose. You see some of the Pac-12 teams are starting to heat up. You see a team like Tennessee starting to heat up. It's a, it's just a really good environment for college football. Just having no true team that you can say right now, oh yeah, they're gonna win the they're gonna win the championship, and you can't really say any team confidently. And I really like that about college football. It's nice having a a good median. Yeah, I don't know. As a college football fan, it kind of happens maybe once every year or two where Alabama loses in the regular season and then there's panic. But I don't know. In the back of my mind, I always think that they're still going to be there at the end of the year. I mean, they do play a bit of a weaker schedule. I mean, they actually do still have to play Ole Miss in Mississippi, which is interesting. But if you look at Tennessee, like they put Alabama and they still have to play Georgia, which is a ridiculous schedule. But in the back of my mind, I feel like Alabama is still a team that will definitely be a factor in the college football playoff discussion and probably end up making it. Um, yeah, like you said, Georgia, they struggled against Missouri, but otherwise they've been pretty solid. Uh, but it is good to not see a true um, outstanding number one from the rest of the field. So it'll be an interesting season to follow the rest of the way. Um, Luke, anything else you want to talk about college football-wise? Yeah, I did want to briefly talk about Michigan Wolverines. Yeah. They finally had a real test this weekend against Penn State and Indy Lions. Um, they've had a ton of home games this year against not good teams, but they had another home game this weekend, but it was against Penn State, and they really showed out. Um, they covered the spread by a big margin, and I think it shows that Michigan can be for real. J.J. McCarthy at the helm gives them a lot more playmaking ability than uh, McNamara did. Uh, I think they'll be an interesting team to watch. Sometimes they tend to not play to their ability late in the season, but I think if they can keep stacking up wins, and then obviously the big one against Ohio State late in the season, hopefully they can repeat, get back to the college football playoff, and, and win and get to that championship game this year. And, yeah, but that date on the, their calendar at Ohio State is certainly circled on, in the mind of every college football fan. So that will be their true test at the end of the year. Um, otherwise, yeah, this is a great opportunity to, to transition to a new season coming up in the NBA. Start tomorrow night with a great doubleheader of games. Um, so much to look forward to this season. A lot of great action coming up uh, with our top stars, top teams. Just so much to look forward to overall. So. Take it away, guys. Initial thoughts for the NBA. No, I know you're excited to talk about this. Yeah, you know, I've been waiting this whole long summer yep. uh, just for this to come back. Initial thoughts. The first thing I want to say is the East is going to be deadly this oh, year. Oh, I, as a Raptors fan, am horrified for how difficult the East is going to be. I think every, I think there's nine teams that are really pushing hard, yep. um, and they are going to all succeed. Yep. Um, you know, with the play-in now, it does give – a little bit of that flexibility where I think even the farther back teams like the Knicks, which, you know, I kind of have in that 10 spot still have a chance. There we go. And, uh, you know, the West also is deadly. There's a lot of, um, a lot of concerns I have maybe with certain Western teams of guys coming back Zion. Like I have the Pelicans yeah. as one of the best teams yeah. this year with, you know, seeing how Zion is last season that he played, he was 27 points on 60% shooting as a 21 year old. So bringing that onto an eight seed last year, which pushed the 64 win Phoenix Suns to six games in the playoffs is horrifying. Uh, I think the Clippers with Kawhi back yeah. is going to be super exciting. Yeah. And then the Nuggets, that's who I have as my one seed really? for this year. The Nuggets who with only Nikola Jokic and then, you know, Will Barton as his second best player had 48 games, you know, won 48 games. Then you're bringing Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. I see that nothing less than a 60-win team. And they're not my favorites right now because I think in the playoffs, teams like the Warriors, Clippers, and Bucks are really who I'm considering uh, to win it all this year. But I think regular season-wise, 
uh, the Nuggets are my big favorite to win the most games. And I just think as a whole, we're in for a great season. There's so much parity that there is no real team that I think is set to win it all. Like when we had those real warrior dynasties with yeah. Kevin Durant. Yeah. Um, so as a whole, I'm just really excited for all the the fun and chaos that always ends up happening with the NBA. Yeah, no, I think it's a, I think we're in for a great season. Um, I, I think the Clippers are going to be a really dominant team. Uh, Kawhi Leonard coming back. Norman Powell and Robert Covington were huge two additions last year. And you bring in Rajon Ron- or uh, not Rajon Rondo, sorry, John Wall. I think John Wall is going to be really fun to watch. I'm hoping we could see the old John Wall. I'm not sure how much of that we'll see, but I've seen some off-season videos of him. He looks comfortable. He looks confident. I think Clippers are going to be a cool team to watch. And then, like you said, the East, I mean, there is nine teams that you could say could legitimately go to the conference finals, but one of those teams won't make the playoffs because of how loaded, how deep the East is. So I think we're going to be in for a great NBA season. I'm excited for the opening night tomorrow and the rest of the games coming in Wednesday. But, I mean, got to love the NBA time. ton of storylines to track this year. Obviously, there's new acquisitions. What I love about the NBA is more than any other league, you always see new players in new uniforms every year. One that I'm looking forward to watching is Donovan Mitchell. As a Knicks fan, certainly certainly wish we would have found a way to, to land him, but that's a loaded Cleveland roster. And I know they're still a bit young and no true 1A superstar, but that'll be a fun team to watch. Also, with new NBA seasons, you get to hope, hopefully um, settle your what-ifs because, for example, the Milwaukee Bucks, a team I've always had as a heavy heavy favorite in, that, in the NBA, uh, I know they left last year thinking, you know, we could have beat that Celtics team if we had Chris Middleton. And I believe that as well. So just chances for revenge. There's so much to track. Um, getting more specific, is there a certain player you guys are, are looking forward to the most? I am putting all my money into Rudy Gobert this season. I really think, you know, he gets deserved slander a lot of times. Those yeah. Jazz teams, you know, with him and Donovan Mitchell just couldn't do it. But I think there were various reasons just, out, you know, more than just uh, – just because of him. But I think him on the Timberwolves is going to be really exciting with Anthony Edwards, only, I believe, twenty year, or 21 years old, going to his third season. I think he can take that John Morant-level leap into, you know, all-star status. Yeah. You have Cat still being, you know, a top 15 player in the league. Yeah. And then adding him, just, geez, the, the Timberwolves are known their offense these past few years. It's been their defense that has been so bad. So with Rudy Gobert, just who him alone is a top 10 defense in the league. I want to see how that's going to play. I know he's not exciting or flashy. You're never going to watch a Rudy Gobert offensive highlights video, but I think what he can do for that team is going to be really fun. You know, also the Cavs, like you mentioned, geez, that is just going to be crazy. Evan Mobley, you know, in his second year, how's that going to go? That defense is crazy. And I know Donovan Mitchell is a far below, you know, average defensive player, but surrounded by all those other guys, that insane front line of Allen. And Mobley, that's going to be a great team. Those are my two favorites just to watch this year. Yeah, well, uh, my answer kind of goes against yours. So I'm really excited to see what Ben Simmons is going to do with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, this team, ever since KD and Kyrie arrived, they've kind of had an offensive identity. But now looking at their front five, it seems like they're really building a defensive identity. They have Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton, all in the starting five, who are all – Really good, legitimate defenders. So I th- I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. They have a lot of good scores. I'm excited to see how TJ Warren will come back in November when he's uh, healthy and ready to go. But I, I know you can't really overreact on the preseason, but the Nets play the Timberwolves in the Timberwolves' first debut of the Twin Towers. And the announcers were even saying it themselves. It didn't really seem like Cat and um, 
Gobert were too comfortable with each other. When Cat and Gobert were in together, Cat was kind of sitting on the perimeter, kind of seemed a little lazy, like he wasn't really doing much. And Gobert was being a force inside, but it, they didn't really seem to mesh too well. I know it's their first game playing together in the preseason and things are going to change, but my only concern with that is going to be the spacing because as great of a shooter as Cat is, he can make his money when he's down low. So having Cat and Gobert down low where Gobert is not as comfortable and Gobert obviously won't be sitting around the perimeter, it really makes me worry how they're going to be. It's, it's, the Timberwolves are my second favorite team to watch. Carl Towns grew up near where I grew up, so I've always been a Cat fan throughout my whole life. But I, that's my only concern, how their spacing is going to be, how they're going to work together. But I'm really excited to watch them, the Nets, the Timberwolves, and then the player I'm excited to watch is DeJounte Murray. I like to see how him and Trey Young are going to work. I think Trey Young is such a gifted point guard, and DeJounte Murray is such a gifted defender. And just the backcourt combination of them two, it, it should be a pretty scary matchup for the East. So that's my two excitements. You guys keep talking about the East. Uh, I briefly want to touch on my touch on my hometown team, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they got a big three in Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic. Uh, last year was exciting at the start. They really put the NBA in notice, kind of fizzled out toward the end. But – I think there's high expectations going into this year. Zach Levine has struggled all offseason with a knee injury, but he's finally starting to feel good about that. Um, and I think excitement is building, you know, great basketball city in Chicago, um, a lot of excitement, and I think they could be an interesting team to watch as well with those three players I mentioned. Yeah, with the Bulls, I think, you know, i big DeRozan fan, and I loved watching his MVP-level season last year. Uh, I do have concerns, though. They really fell off a cliff once um, Lonzo Ball left. He was – the defense that they really needed and was was really nice for them. I also liked the contract he was on. And it looks like he's going to be out even longer. Uh, I'd be concerned. You know, it could be months until we see him, if we see him this season, uh, which is definitely not what they want to happen. Uh, Vucevic is just not what he was in those all-star seasons when they traded. You know, they traded him for Wendell Carter Jr. And you could say Wendell Carter on the Magic is playing better. They could The Bulls could really use a defensive center right now and uh you know also they gave up the franz wagner pick in that trade and he's looking killer i'm a little scared about the bulls i'm excited to see what happens but uh i wouldn't be surprised if it's one of you know if they are the ninth team in the east or something they they could be anywhere from five to nine you know they were the one seed for a fair amount of last season but i have my fears i I hope it works out for them but i'd be a little weary with the bulls well, I mean, another team that comes with excitement and fear is the Lakers. I mean, everything going on with them. You got Russell Westbrook doesn't seem like he really wants to be there. Patrick Beverly be on the same team as Russell Westbrook, which is just mind-blowing. Uh, you have LeBron James getting up there in age. You have Anthony Davis and the health with him. And then you have a few uh, additions they had that you're trying to see if we'll make noise, like Lonnie Walker. Uh, do you guys want to share your thoughts on the Lakers and where they might be? Yeah, some weird's going on there. I mean – Glad you brought him up. We're not going to have a preseason NBA talk without talking about LeBron James' team, just how it goes in the NBA. But, um, yeah, not trading Russell Westbrook was, was eye-opening, and we're going to see what happens there, especially with Pat Beverly. But, it, I mean, something strange. Like like we're seeing in preseason like warm-ups, for example, like the whole team's gathering, saying like a final message, and Westbrook's, you know, stripping his warm-up suit off on the bench all alone. Like I don't know what's going on there. You'd think – Maybe they're, they're still about to trade him. It seems like a trade could be coming. And, you, you know, like LeBron's kind of his own GM. He could make that happen at any moment. Mm-hmm. I think another Lakers headline for sure is Anthony Davis. Like, he's gotten so much criticism for how much does he actually care about the team? How much does he care about basketball? Obviously, he's been unhealthy, but, like, not touching a basketball since, since April or May was super <laughs> eye-opening. 
So I think this is definitely a make or break season for Anthony Davis. Hopefully, fingers crossed, you can stay healthy and see what they're about. But I know definitely as a fan of LeBron and a basketball fan, I want to see one final run out of him. I don't know if it'll come with this team. And I also don't even know if Los Angeles will be his last stop. But I think it'll be a very interesting storyline to watch. And obviously, it's the Lakers and it's LeBron. So everybody's going to be watching it. Yeah, no, it's sad as a LeBron fan because I, they really tore this team apart yeah. and it was for the worst. They got their championship ring, but in the long run, I, I, it really is going to hurt this team. They have, they barely have any first round picks left. They have an old roster with not much excitement from their young players. I mean, yeah, they have Max Christie, who hopefully could be something for them. They have a young guy like Lonnie Walker, but they just don't really have an eye-opening roster. And with LeBron getting up there in age, I don't know if he could make that 2018 playoff run again. So it's sad as a, as a LeBron fan, but it's kind of what you have to expect with all the moves they made to get Anthony Davis, to get key players like Russell Westbrook. They traded away a lot of pieces that really are coming back to bite them. Yeah, I mean, I think they have one of the worst three through 15 yeah. in the league, yeah. which is not how you become a contender. I mean, they, all things go well and health-wise, have maybe the best duo. Mm -hmm. You know, we haven't seen that from AD, but they really do have the potential to be the best duo in the league. Um, and it is a lot. It's a lot their fault, you know. Yeah. The, the Westbrook trade is... I see where they were coming from, but, you know, of course, looking back, it was awful. And with the AD trade, it was tough, but you won a chip and 90% of teams would do anything they can. Yeah. You know, I would always take one chip and then, you know, eight years of misery uh, yeah. because that's what you play for. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's too bad how it's worked out, but I, I'm still excited to watch this season and, and see when LeBron breaks that scoring record. I think yeah. people are projecting it to be around January. Yeah. Uh, and that that's going to just be incredible. So I hope that all goes well. Yeah, no, that'll be awesome. But, um, yeah, it's just it's just a sad moment for Lakers fans, honestly. And like you said, um, the 3 for 15 is terrible, to be honest. And you really need depth to get regular season wins. They saw themselves in the play in uh, was it, the past two years. And with Anthony Davis's health, LeBron James' age, and then who knows what's going on with Russell Westbrook, you really need some good depth to get wins in the regular season because, yeah, you can count on them when they get to the playoffs, AD, uh, Westbrook, and LeBron, but if they can't get to the playoffs with load management, injuries, all these other factors happening in the regular season, then that's their biggest problem. So, Yeah, I mean, so then who are the favorites to you guys? You know, definitely not the Lakers. You know, I said before, Warriors, Clippers, Bucks to me. Are, are you know at the top of my list but what, what are you guys thinking yeah um i'm i'm guessing the warriors will keep all this outside noise outside of their locker room um they've always been a really good professional team so i think the warriors will still be up there i think the clippers will also be up there and then i think the east is really up for grabs with anyone uh the bucks always are going to be great with the honest and chris middleton and drew holiday there but i think the nets if they could play as they should be playing. I think they could make some noise. And then you saw the Celtics. I don't think the Heat will make any as much noise as they had the past two years this year. I think they had a pretty weak offseason. I think the P.J. Tucker loss will really hurt them. But I think it's kind of up for grabs with the East still. But I think the West is pretty solidified with either the Clippers or the Warriors, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, those are the favorites in terms of an interesting contender to watch. The 76ers, I know we talked about Philly a bit earlier, but that's definitely – a team that has the potential to be a contender. And the other side of that, P.J. Tucker, they got P.J. Tucker, who's always – he's a career asset. He's been great for every every stop on his journey. So the Sixers will be interesting to watch. Can Harden kind of continue to – I mean, I've seen videos of him looking like he's in better shape and going to be at a higher level again. But 
We'll see how him and Embiid continue to work things out. Um, Tyrese Maxey, if he takes a step up, I think the Sixers could definitely make a run for it. But, you know, that's the thing that comes up in, in basketball and comes up in all sports. When you have a loaded conference, a loaded playoff bracket, will that wear teams out in the East versus a Warriors team that might have an easy first few rounds, you know, and then could get could get to the, the finals with less challenges on the way. That's something that comes up in March Madness all the time, you know. So do you see that being a factor? Like, yeah, there's so much talent and so many great teams in the East, but, like, will that not be good for teams in the East? Uh. Well, it's funny because that was my thing last year with the Celtics Nets series. I thought whoever is going to win that series is going to make it to the finals, and that is what happened. Right. Because you're playing such a great challenge in the first series. It wasn't really a competitive series. Yeah, no, but it, it, you're playing a team that, from the outside in, everyone's looking at those two teams as or one of these teams should be making it to the finals, conference finals. So I think it definitely tired them out, but it's great to get that experience as compared to an easy four game sweep or a gentleman sweep so that's that's my thought on it yeah and also just to, to go a point on something earlier with the warriors it's just crazy to think in the past what seven years since 2015 they've lost two playoff series yeah i mean that it does not get better than that so it is pretty much impossible to bet against steph curry but i do think the rest of the league might be catching up and i'm excited to see how that all continues yeah. Yeah. No, Dylan, I also want to say I'm happy you brought up Tyrese Maxey. I think he is one of the most exciting young players in the league. I think the talent that he has, the motor that he has is just, you can't, you can't create that. It's, it's unreal. And I really am starting to wonder if Harden's going to be holding him back. I wonder if, if they were to get rid of Harden and bring in maybe a few lower level players that they could build with, if that would be better for the team, because I think Maxi is just such a great player. He's a great passer. He has great speed. He's a knockdown shooter. The splits that he's been putting up have been unreal and un unheard of. So uh, as much as I do believe in Harden, I am still salty that he left. But I'm wondering if he's really going to be holding back the play that you can see from Maxi and overall better team play with Maxi potentially. Yeah, obviously it will be a ton more NBA to talk about in the next few months. Still in the heart of football season, though. but. Yeah, a lot, lot, lot of excitement for both for both sports to look at in the future. And then tonight, really big game for my, for me and the New York fans with the New York Yankees playing the rubber game in the divisional series against Cleveland. Uh, should be a should be a great game. Um, yeah, so we'll see how that turns out. Definitely need some 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 better performance from Aaron Judge. You know, the home run king, record holder, sixty two home runs in the regular season, has one big two run shot in this series, but otherwise not much to show for. So. Will be interesting to see how that plays out. Hopefully the Yankees can get it done and I can continue to talk Yankees baseball on this show. Um, but until then, we'll find out. I don't want to talk too much on it for now. But great show. Any other final closing thoughts? Yeah, I actually want to bring it all the way back for one second. Um, the Broncos. What is going on with the Broncos? We got a matchup for them tonight against yeah. the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, interdivision matchup. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on the Broncos? What is going on with Russell Wilson? Where is their offense? What is their identity? Is their coaching the problem? It's, it's just not what we expected. They're getting all these primetime games. We're being forced to watch them, and they're just putting up goose eggs left and right. So yeah. It's, yeah. do you guys have any thoughts on what's going on with the Broncos? For me, I would say I think the expectations might have just been too high. Um, Russell Wilson in Seattle was surrounded by a great team, top to bottom, Pete Carroll. Obviously, a great coach. Maybe he's having a tough time adjusting to just a new environment, new coaching, obviously with Nathaniel Hackett. Um, 
the defense isn't exactly have the same big names, even though I still think they can play really good football. Um, but I don't know. They paid him a ton of money. He's really not doing what everyone thought he would do. And it's kind of been disappointing to see in all these primetime games is a guy that many people really love to watch. Um, just not really playing, playing football that he usually can play. Mm-hmm. Real yeah. ugly. Yeah. Russell Wilson. I mean, if you look at just this year, you could make an argument that he's a bottom five quarterback in the NFL, which is certainly not the money he's getting paid for. It's certainly not the, the media attention he's getting. That's not, that's not who Russell Wilson is. And we expected him to be this amazing top five quarterback, but he has a lot to prove to get back to that level and the team as well. They're the two and three football team. Guys were saying they're going to go out and win the Super Bowl. So yeah, at the end of the day, we're, it's still early in the season, but there might be some overreactions here, but it's been really bad to watch. And hopefully Russell Wilson cleans it, cleans it up in the Broncos country. And ride it on. Right. You know? Let's yeah. ride, man. I mean, it, it, it's sad. I mean, Russell Wilson up to this year, he's been such a likable guy. I mean, I don't really know anyone that's had a negative opinion on him, but he's just not himself. He's been known for having this, unreal moonshot of a deep ball and it looks like he doesn't even have his arm anymore he's yeah. been underthrowing all his wide open downfield receivers so i'm hoping he can figure it out i still root for him even though i don't really agree with some of the things he's been saying some of the things he's been doing this all season this uh this season but i'm i would like to see him figure it out and have a nice little run with the broncos because he got paid a lot of money and he's not paying like he's not playing like a quarterback that should be getting paid that much right now mm-hmm. Well, great. Yeah, this was a great episode. Glad to be back in season, and we'll get the ball rolling now, hopefully having more consistent weekly episodes. So a lot lot to look forward to in the future for the Sports Biz Society Radio. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.